0: Hey Cam. Yes, Alex. I, I know. I know. I told a lot of stories about my vacation on, on the show already, but there was there was one more that I hadn't yet uh, that I that I wanted to tell before uh, uh, before I stop all that. Um, did I mention that uh, I I I'd, I'd lost my bags on the way home? Oh gosh, no. You did not tell me that. Yeah, it was really bad. I actually actually had to uh, I had to sue the airline company. But, I mean, I, obviously, I lost my case. <sighs> You're making me wish that actually happened.
1: Gansby throws to first base. Is this happening? It is! The Atlanta Braves are world champions!
0: Welcome to the Chatting Average podcast, presented by Sports Drink. Here are your hosts, Cam Matthews and Alex Butler. Now you're all in big big room. Welcome to your friendly neighborhood Atlanta Braves podcast. Welcome to Chatting Average. I'm your host, Alex. Joined as always by Mr. Cam Matthews. Cam, how you doing today? What shaking bacon? Ah, not not too much, not too much. It's been a fun week, but uh, but before we get into baseball talk, Cam, how's your week been going?
1: Oh yeah, it's been uh, it's been pretty swell, pretty swell. Not gonna lie, uh, had a fun day yesterday with, with some yeah, of the yeah. crew. Yeah, yeah. I
0: I heard you took a little a little road trip. Where'd you go? We did, we did. We took a
1: little road trip down I-95. Uh, we went and checked out the new Bucky's that just yes. opened up in uh, here there in South Carolina. It's a little over for two the... hour
0: drive for us. For uh, those but... of you who haven't had the pleasure of stopping by a Bucky's yet, imagine a Walmart super center, but it's a gas station. Oh, it's incredible. That's it's it. incredible.
1: And but I have, have I have yet to find any good food. Yeah, I have yet to find a Walmart Supercenter that serves uh, brisket sandwiches like Rocky's does. (laughs) So, yeah, So, uh, you know, it just it just opened up uh, there in South Carolina uh, a little over a month ago. And so since we were getting closer to the fourth, which is uh, in the coming week, we decided to make a little road trip down down to our uh, down to our southern state to go buy some fireworks. And we figured, hey, why not? It's not that much further down the road to go check out Bucky's. So we went and did that and spent entirely too much money. So there's Love that. It. <laughs> it, Let's I, see.
0: It's, uh, it's a I, rare occasion to find a gas station where you can just shop around inside for an hour, no problem.
1: Oh, easily. Yeah. I think we were there for about an hour and a half in total, <laughs> like actually inside the store. Um, you know, for lunch, I had a chopped brisket sandwich. And that was phenomenal. And then I ended up buying, let's see. Let me let me rattle off the things that I bought at Bucky's <laughs> yesterday. <clears throat> let's see. Uh of course had had to buy a bag of beaver nuggets. That is a that is a must. Excuse me? Beaver nuggets.
0: You can't just say that and not explain what they are. There's no way they're nuggets of actual beaver. No, they're not. Uh, they are like they're like giant yeah. corn pops.
1: Um and they had this like brown sugary coating on them interesting they're tremendous like they're they're like real light and sweet good stuff so bought a bag of those bought a couple of bags of beef jerky uh i bought a bag and i haven't tried it yet i bought a bag of jalapeno peanut brittle which sounds interesting and it was
0: well that's either going to be the best or the worst thing you try all day
1: well that's fair, but it looked interesting,
0: so I figured I had to try it. Yeah, yeah, That kind of jogs a memory for me. like when you were a kid, did did you and your friends like ever hang out at the local gas station? Uh, no, because we lived out in the middle of nowhere, Alex. Uh, we lived we lived on on Signal Mountain in Tennessee, and there was like one little strip where there was some stuff. and it was like a, a fifteen minute walk to the gas station from our neighborhood. And me and all my friends from the neighborhood would go spend, like, hours at the gas station because I guess there wasn't really much else to do.
1: That's fair. That's fair. Um, I also I also got a couple of uh, seasonings from Meat Church that they have on sale there. Ooh. So I got the, uh, the gospel seasoning and also their honey hog hot.
0: So that's not the Brock Lesnar seasoning.
1: No, no. The Brock Lesnar seasoning comes from Bearded Butchers, which I also highly recommend because it is tremendous. Nice. Yes. Yes. And then it got a couple of other like little odds and ends like candy and you know, stuff like that. But yeah, it was, a, it was a good time. And then we went and bought a bunch of explosives. So it was even better. That
0: time. <laughs> oh, God. When it's me and Jeff in a couple of weeks, just know uh, to send your prayers out to Cameron Pierre, Paul. Okay, look,
1: I've got <laughs> I've got ten fingers currently. I can I can spare one or
0: two. <laughs> you'll get you'll get by without those digits.
1: I mean, as long as I've got my thumbs, I'm good.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. So yeah, we uh we, then we went to south of the border and spent a ton of money on fireworks. So uh, this time uh, around, this time next week, we'll be having a grand
0: old time. To sell love it, money. love it. Yeah, buddy. Well yeah, I had I had a pretty nondescript week, although there was one thing I got to do that I, I haven't done in a while that was a lot of fun. And that's right, listen what? that's listen to an episode of the Platinum Sombrero podcast. Oh yeah.
1: We oh, haven't mentioned
0: there. uh our, our friend Doc in here since he uh since he joined us on the show, but uh, during the Braves win streak, he said something to the effect of if the Braves win 10 games in a row, uh, we'll bring back the Platinum Sombrero podcast for the rest of the season. And by God, they went and did it. So uh, so big thanks to the Braves for that. And it was uh Dylan wasn't able to join because he's got his his big boy gig at uh, at, at the radio station now. But uh, Doc sounded like he was having a lot of fun being back on the air.
1: Yeah, he certainly did. I was, you know, when I saw when I saw him tweet that out, you know, about the, the ten game stipulation, I was sincerely hoping we would get to it, just because Doc is great, the Platinum Sombrero is great, and so it was a warm sight to see a, a new episode pop up into my podcast feed. Um, but yeah, Dylan's doing great things over at the radio station. Speaking of radio, Alex, I think it probably sounds like we're calling into a radio station right now.
0: It, it probably does. Um... The universe is conspiring against us today, yeah. and uh, and our Plan A recording platform failed us. So we went to our Plan B recording platform, and it failed us. So we are literally on our phones right now uh, <laughs> recording this show from our phones. So if it sounds like we're, I don't know, inside of a wind tunnel or a tin can or something, uh, we'll we'll do our best to be back to normal next week.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting in a rocking chair right now in my basically empty guest bedroom of the new house, so I'm sure the
0: sound quality is tremendous. It's It's got to be phenomenal. But you know what else would be? Scott for Scott's here. You ever want to grow new grass faster? Kind of like when you press the two times playback button on your podcast so you can speed through episodes. Except it's Scott's turf, build a rapid grass. You're speeding your way from a thin and damaged lawn to a thicker, stronger one in just weeks. Bit too fast, maybe slow it down, okay? Let's just go back to normal speed. Get a bag of Scott's Turf Builder Rapid Grass today. It grows grass two times faster than seed alone when applied at the new lawn rate subject to proper care. Feed your lawn. Feed it. phenomenal, Cam? What's that? Going over some cool moments from this week in baseball history.
1: Let's do it. All right. We are going to jump into this week in baseball history. And as always, you can find these facts at nationalpastime.com. And the week we're going to be looking at is June 27th through July 3rd. Our first fact comes to us from June 27th, 2007. In his 325th game, Ryan Howard becomes the fastest player to hit 100 home runs, accomplishing the feat 60 contests quicker than the previous mark set by Ralph Kiner in 1948. The Philly Sluggers milestone round tripper is memorable when he launches a 505-foot shot the longest blast ever hit at Citizens Bank Park.
0: That's Gwinnett Striper's legend, Ryan Howard. To you,
1: <laughs> I forgot that happened. <laughs> and I, Ryan Howard, probably forgot too. I think
0: I, I think everybody's just put it out of their mind, both Phillies fans and Braves fans, and, and nobody wants to acknowledge that happened.
1: Well, I think we all looked at it as like a potential Jose Bautista situation again.
0: Yeah, like worst case scenario it was Jose Bautista, best case scenario it was like Matt Adams.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I think, you know, he he's been retired for a while now. Have you have, have your nightmares about Ryan Howard subsided yet? They,
0: they have, have, thankfully.
1: Good lord. What a what an
0: absolute terror. That, that guy, guy the the thing I remember about him was the e- the the seeming Seemingly, how easily he could get a ball to leave the park. yeah, um and, and the only person that I can think of that that reminds me of that modern day would be like a John Carlos Stanton, yeah, where where it looks like he doesn't even shift his weight. He just like moves the bat towards the ball and it bounces five hundred yeah. feet. <laughs> yeah, just
1: a- absolute like like
0: terrible. he just touches it and it flies.
1: I mean, for years, though, as Braves fans, we had to deal with him coming to the plate, often with somebody on base. Oh, yeah. He's <laughs> being like, oh, boy, here we go.
0: But that seems like an excellent reason to remind you guys that uh, that that we could be experiencing our 12th consecutive season of the Phillies not making the playoffs.
1: Yeah, after last night. Things, uh, they certainly, certainly doesn't help things for them.
0: You mean market. to tell me that building a team around home runs and no defense or bullpen isn't working for them? Uh, get right out of town.
1: Shockingly, no. <laughs> now, if I could just get the uh, the Mariners to get their head out of their rear so the Phillies would become the longest playoff drought team, but...
0: Please. Uh,
1: I don't, I don't think it's going to happen.
0: Not God, They were one game away last year and they started off so slow this year.
1: Uh, it made me so mad that like, that prediction of mine before the season started.
0: Yeah, we gone. we both went went way in on the on the Mariners. Man, yeah,
1: that's frustrating. Well, hey, uh here in probably what, two, three episodes we'll have our mid-season review before the Ooh. Oscar.
0: Yes. Yeah, as true. as we creep Ever closer towards our one hundredth episode, which will happen this season.
1: By golly, one hundred episodes.
0: We're gonna we're gonna have to figure out something special to do for that one, because that's just it's kinda crazy to me that we've put like like that much content out there.
1: Yeah, it's it it is kinda wild. Um, like full disclosure, I thought, man, if we get like one season out of this show, that might be good. Like you know, after one season, I figured one of us would end up being like, you know what? That was fun. Let's not do that again next year. But <laughs> here we are. Woohoo! Gluttons for punishment. Okay, our next pack comes to us from June 29th, 1937. In a 10 to 2 loss to Brooklyn, Chicago's first baseman Ripper Collins does not make a putout during the nine inning game. Although this is just the third occurrence of the rare feat, it is the second time for the Cubs infielder, who also didn't make a put-out playing first for the Cardinals in a game played against the Braves two seasons ago. <laughs> so, like, randomly obscure baseball facts, think about that. There have been games where a, like, a particular... not, And we're not talking about, like, a right fielder didn't record a put-out, because I feel like you see that now and then. But a first baseman. There was not a single out recorded at first.
0: That's uh, insane.
1: Like it's 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 kind of wild when you think about that. Like there was not a single ground ball on the infield that y'all had to throw over there, not a one. Which then again, they also lost ten to two, so it doesn't sound like there was a lot of balls on the infield. It
0: doesn't sound like they had a lot of runners in scoring position.
1: No, no, not 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 quite,
0: not quite. All right. Oh, no, 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 no. Wait, I got that backwards. It yes, sounds like they exclusively had runners in scoring position. <laughs> Please pass first. Do the the our recording services are not the only ones failing us today. Yeah, we are recording this at an
1: odd time too. Like I think that's what I think that's what happened. Is here here you and I are on a Sunday afternoon saying, you know what, we're going to get this podcast knocked out early so that way we're not recording while the Braves are playing and while uh, there's a. Very cool wrestling pay per view going on tonight. We're gonna knock this out right after lunch on a Sunday, and then well, in the in in,
0: in fact, I'm going to go uh going going to go see Frederick in Blue myself tonight.
1: Oh, so you are going to the game tonight?
0: Yeah, had some uh, had some planes change kind of last minute, so we decided we're gonna we're gonna head to the ball game this evening.
1: Very cool, very cool. Well, you get to see Spencer Strider take the mound. Yes. And we'll uh, get to it in our next segment. But boy, wait till you see this lineup for tonight.
0: Oh no, I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> oh no.
1: Oh, we're getting weird again, buddy.
0: Uh, just one second, da,
1: da, 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 dude. Da, 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 da.
0: Yo, what was that? What? You what?
1: We have our catch. Is Ronald
0: attack.
1: hurt? Uh, he took one off the foot last night, so it seems that way. Right. Ah. Uh,
0: uh-huh. So what we heard last night was that, uh, that, that Ronnie took a batted ball off the foot in the third inning, and someone caught a, a camera angle of Ronald removing his shoe in the ninth, and uh, there is some suspicion that he may have an injured foot, and I'm not happy about that. Cam, have you seen any updates on that news?
1: Uh, I saw Snicker say last night that it is not fractured, but he's probably just very sore.
0: Okay. 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 That but I'm okay with. Apparently
1: he was also still being evaluated at that time. So. I
0: I cannot handle both Ronnie and Ozzy having broken feet. I just, I can't do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's not good. Not good.
0: Goodness right. gracious.
1: Our next fact comes to us. From June or July first, 1962, in the second game of a doubleheader sweep of the Indians, the White Sox become the first team in Major League history to record three run-scoring sacrifice flies in one inning. How did that happen? What? Yeah, three fly balls hit by Juan Pizarro, Nellie Fox, and Al Smith to Gene Green, two of which are dropped by the Cleveland right fielder, set up the unprecedented occurrence. <laughs>
0: Gene, oh, so they, had had were sac, they were They yep. were sack flies and errors. Oh okay. Yeah, uh, now they're,
1: they're, they're, they're errors. But Gene, you done
0: goof. That yeah, that's a rough inning for old Gene.
1: Old Gene Green. <laughs> oh mean Gene Green. Oh mean let me tell you something, mean Gene. You better quit forcing those errors. We're <laughs> <laughs> all these little Hokomaniacs are gonna be sad when they have to go home for a loss.
0: <laughs> he yeah. was not saying his prayers and taking his vitamins.
1: He, he was—he was not. <laughs> well, you know me, Gene. Let me tell you, you better turn that defense around 180 degrees.
0: All right.
1: <laughs> that was pretty good.
0: Uh, I, I, I have
1: my—I have my rare talents that will get me nowhere in life. Ah, <laughs> final fact. comes <laughs> to us from July third, nineteen thirty-two. With a Boston law that prohibited games from being played within a thousand feet of a church on Sundays now rescinded, the first Sunday game takes place at Fenway Park with the Red Sox dropping a 13 to two decision. The team played its Sunday games at Bravesfield on Commonwealth Avenue until the law was changed, having played their first home contest on the Christian day of worship on April 28th, 1929. Interesting. You know, it's always interesting, to you know, Sunday games, of course, are so commonplace now. They play every day of the week. They play on – they've played on Easter. They play on the 4th of July. You know, they play on national holidays and whatnot. And, you know, of course, they play at night too. But it's also – it's so funny to think that at one time, in the grand scheme of things not too long ago, those things did not happen.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, God, it was like, what, 35 years ago that the Cubs had their first night game?
1: uh yeah yeah it was like mid 80s yeah well it's like Jeff and I talked about on, on one of our episodes together a few weeks ago you know interleague play didn't start until what 1998
0: yeah someone uh I saw someone online today posted a video of the first time the Giants visited the Yankees in the regular season Barry Bonds was hitting and he hit one it was the third deck at Yankee Stadium, so he probably hit it about three eighty four. But but the crowd was going absolutely insane because they they didn't get to regularly see any National League teams.
1: Yeah, it's it, it's so interesting that like there's been all these little changes that you know now feel commonplace. It does make you wonder what changes are we currently seeing in the game that might stick. That like years from now we won't think any, like obviously I think the universal DH five years from now we won't think anything of that
0: no and and honestly uh, like a couple weeks into this season I wasn't thinking anything about it
1: yeah exactly exactly like I I knew a couple of older guys that like talked to me about that before the season they were like I don't know you know my day you know pitchers still hitting everything and I was like yeah but pitchers really don't hit anymore like it's not it's automatic out
0: the one big change that's coming that that you know, I'm, I'm a little on the fence about is uh, every team's going to be playing every team in a season soon. Yeah, that's that's going to feel odd. I, I, I love the idea of it. I love the idea of it, but I wish there was some way to make that happen without sacrificing division games, because that is yeah,
1: how, how many. How many are they dropping to now? Because they're at 19 currently.
0: I. I I think it was going to go down to, like, 12 or something.
1: Oh, gross.
0: Yeah, and I, that that aspect of it is the only thing I don't like.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I feel like...
0: I mean, like there's... The, the regular
1: season is a battle for the division race. You, you have to have a bulk of games.
0: Keeping the expanded playoffs, to me, was already, you know, a, a, a step towards cheapening the division title. And... Right. Reducing the amount of division games you play a season, I think will be yet another step in in that direction, which is, is not a thing I like uh, in, in a, in a season that lasts 162 games, the division titles are important. Yeah. And, and they seem to be, you know, putting in an active effort to make it less. So which, which bothers me a bit.
1: No, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. You know, the thing that, God, the thing that kills me whenever I see it happen is and we've done it a few times, when you finish I feel like you should finish out your season against a
0: divisional opponent. Yes. You know. Totally agree. And what kills like me like we see, did last season, where we just had a run of division opponents all through September and early October.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And so I feel like especially when I see like interleague games on the last weekend of the
0: season. What are we doing? Like, what, yeah. are we,
1: what are we doing there?
0: It's strange. And I'd even be okay with, you know, making, if if you want to have the teams play every team, make the first half like the interleague half. That way the drama's ramped up for the, the, uh, the, the, You know, National League and division uh, games coming down the stretch.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But there's still plenty of change coming, I suppose. So I I figure we're going to get used to it or not.
0: Robot umps.
1: Well, that has been this week in baseball history. Do with that useless knowledge what you will.
0: All right, guys. We will be right back to take a look at what happened this past week for the Braves and see what's ahead. All right, guys. When we last left you, sadly, the Braves' win streak had ended against the Cubs uh, with two losses, in fact, dropping the series to the Cubs. But we pick back up with the Sunday game against those very same Chicago Cubs at Wrigley Field. Ian Anderson takes the hill up against Kyle Hendricks. And I, I, I said it on the show last week, and by God, it came true. Nobody owns Kyle Hendricks like the Atlanta Braves own Kyle Hendricks. They they put up six runs on him in the first two innings, which seems standard for a Kyle Hendricks start against the Braves. Uh, meanwhile, Ian Anderson threw one of his best games of the year, going six and two thirds innings without allowing an earned run, striking out six and walking two. We got homers from Travis Darnot with two on base. Michael Harris, the second, hit his third of the year. Austin Riley and Matt Olson also contributed with uh, with run scoring doubles. Braves win six to nothing and end the road trip on a high note.
1: Yeah, I'm glad we were able to salvage that last game. But you know, it was just one of those series where a few things just didn't quite go your way. But hey, we took uh, took game three, so avoided the sweep. Still have not lost three games in a row yet this year.
0: That's, I mean, that's pretty amazing when you think about how rough we we had it those first two months. Um, and, you know, going into a week where we have games against some very, very good baseball teams, you know, even though it's the Cubs ending that with a win, I think was very, very important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, going into a series, a four game series at that back home against the Giants, you had to have some kind of momentum going into that series.
0: Absolutely. And the Monday game against the San Francisco Giants, which I was upselling to you guys as a must-watch playoff-style game, man, that came true, too. (laughs) This whole series... Man, we had Logan Webb up against Max Fried, two Cy Young caliber pitchers. They both went seven innings, allowing one earned run. Max had one more strikeout than Logan Webb, but they both looked phenomenal in this game.
1: Yes, they did,
0: and man, going back to the
1: whole atmosphere thing,
0: Truist Park was rocking. Yes, it was. I, along with everybody else, got there super early, because they were giving Jock Peterson his ring before the game, and that place absolutely erupted when, uh, when, <laughs> when he was given his ring. And then again when he was put in to pit, pinch hit late.
1: Yeah, it, it very, very cool moment. You know, uh, it cannot be understated what, for such a short amount of time, really, when you look
0: at it, what Jock meant to last year's team. Um, I, I, I was reading stories about people saying to him, after all that, like, dude, you were only here for two months.
1: (laughs) Right, right. But you consider, like, you know, the story that has been told about the first time he walked into the locker room and everybody was just, like, so down and no energy, you know, he had a good part in pumping that team back up.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, he – when he was interviewed and asked about it, he – he kept going back to the phrase Southern hospitality. And, you know, for for, for the things that, that the South gets, uh, you know, gets ragged on for a little bit, the bad stuff's bad. But, man, when the, when, when the good stuff is good, you get a moment like Jock Peterson had. And, you know, he came into the stadium and every single employee was saying hi to him. And, again, he'd only been there for two months. This is just not really treatment you find anywhere else no no it's not it's just
1: you know consider the fact that the guy has two references on our world series rink he has certainly etched himself into brave's history uh for a lot of fans despite not being here very long at all
0: yeah he is absolutely a brave forever in my book and uh You know, had a little, uh, had just a little bit of scoring in this game. Braves end up taking it 2-1. Kenley Jansen comes in for the save. And the Braves get the week started off right. Well, the next game came around. We had Anthony Desclafini going up against Spencer Strider. uh, And as much as the game one of this series was a pitcher's duel, game two was not. No. <laughs> not, not in the slightest. It was an absolute slugfest in this game. Um, neither starting pitcher made it through four innings. Uh, it was a kind of a rough go of it. Uh, Spencer Strider went through three and two-thirds, allowed six earned runs. De went got through three innings, allowed five earned runs. Um, my goodness, it was... Uh, it- it was it was a lot of scoring. It was one of those games you had to watch every single second of.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, the Braves the Braves are able to walk it off on Monday night, thanks to Orlando. And then Tuesday night, they still made things interesting in the night despite being down. And who the hell is Austin Wins? <laughs> he
0: is he is the Giants catcher that absolutely owned us in this series. Uh, He went three for four. Another Olsen homer in the ninth. It was uh, it was a wild game, but the Braves ultimately lose 12 to 10. (laughs) Oh, boy. So you you split the first two game of the series. You've got two more to go. Uh, Game three comes around and you've got Carlos uh, Rodon. Rodon. there
1: you go. Yeah,
0: all right. Going up against Charlie Morton. And we we are back into a pitching duel, guys. Radon goes seven innings, allowing only three hits and one earned run, strikes out 10 while walking one. Charlie Morton, meanwhile, goes seven innings, allowing three hits, two earned runs, strikes out 11, and doesn't walk a single batter. He did allow two earned runs, uh, but still, all in all, Kind of the performance you're looking for out of Charlie. Eat up some innings. That's that's the thing. So you know when
1: Charlie exits the game, we're down two to nothing. He gave up two solo shots, but afterwards, it's it's funny how you look back at his stat line and you kind of say, actually, Charlie still had a heck of a start there.
0: He really did, and I mean, it, it was it was a Charlie start where he struggled and threw too many pitches early. Um, but it's getting to the point where he's getting past those, those rough early starts, uh, more quickly, uh, and, and allowing slightly less damage each time it seems. So, uh, you know, the, the quicker Charlie Morton gets to the second inning, the better the game he's going to have, I think at this point.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And so, you know, seven good innings from Charlie keeps you in the ball game and then Eighth inning gets a little bit dicey, and Giants pull ahead.
0: It does. It does. Uh, uh, Lestella has an infield single in the ninth to score Longoria and put the Giants up three to one. But then the ninth comes around, and Dansby Swanson keeps doing his thing. He homers. Contreras drives in Ozuna, and Adam Duvall gets the walk-off single, scoring William Contreras. Braves win four to three. Two walk-offs in three nights for the Braves. So a couple a couple of things on this bottom of the
1: night because there's so many little things that allow them to be able to win this thing. So Dansby worked a hell of an at-bat because the pitch that he homered off of was a 3-2 pitch. Um, so he worked a deep count to start off the inning. Hits a shot out to dead center field. So that puts us down 3-2. to and then, uh, I believe it's Ozuna next, who gets on base. And so he, he, here, here's the craziest thing. So Matt Olson then comes up and hits a deep fly ball just in front of the warning track that somehow Ozuna tags up on.
0: That's I'm I, I'm rarely as nervous as I am when I see Marcelo Ozuna tag up.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so he tags up. Then Contreras comes to the plate and drives in Ozuna. Again, works a hell of an at-bat. And so at this point, the game is tied. Contreras is on first. They bring in their new pitcher, the, the sidearm guy. He strikes out Arcia. But meanwhile, Contreras still second
0: on a 3-2 pitch not the typical base stealing threat no
1: so we saw tremendous base running from arguably two of our slowest runners on the team and that's what helped us win the game and then Adam Duvall finally had a you know finally had his moment of this of this year you know driving in the winning run and boy did he need something like that
0: absolutely he did uh, hopefully that's the start of a of a big turnaround for him so we get to uh, getaway day for the Giants. We had a Thursday 12-20 start for the fourth game of the series. Uh, we had uh, Mac, or, sorry, Kyle Wright on the mound going up against old friend Alex Wood, who we did not treat in a friendly fashion, I must say. Alex Wood got through all of one inning. Alex Wood recorded three outs in this game while allowing six earned runs. And the braves made this a laugher early but it got a little interesting late the giants end up coming back a little bit towards the end of kyle's out and kyle finishes the day with four earned runs uh the braves despite being up seven to one going into the fifth inning allow five runs in the last f- uh, five innings and only win by one, 7-6. to six. Kenley Jansen comes in and gets the save. Uh, but that, that game ended making me a lot more nervous than I expected to be.
1: It, oh, I agree. And, you know, <laughs> not only that, but Jock with a homer in the top of the night.
0: A uh, massive, massive homer. Can, he, we talk
1: about, can we talk about how massive the out before Jock was? Oh, yeah. I can't remember who it was, but it was, it was a full count. To that guy and Kenley finally managed to get him, but man, in hindsight, had he walked him or something? Ugh.
0: Yikes! But we luckily we don't have to have to entertain that possibility. But Jock did hit one. Uh, he hit one probably halfway into the second deck of the chop house. Yeah, you've yes, gone it. you've gone big when you're touching that area. They have it listed at four hundred and twenty-six feet. I really think it was more than that. Right, right.
1: But hey, you know, nonetheless, Braves get the win. and come. Yeah, away. When, when you're, you're playing good teams,
0: sometimes you've got to escape with a win like that, and they certainly did.
1: Yeah, they take three out of four from the Giants.
0: And another, another good end to a series as you're going into another big one because the Dodgers are coming to town for three starting on Friday. So we get to game one against the Dodgers. And the game story on this day. Did I cut out there?
1: For a second, yes.
0: So we get to game one against the Dodgers, and the game wasn't really the story at all, was it, Cam?
1: No, not quite. If anything, the story started a couple of hours before
0: game time. Well before game time. I mean... Uh, the story really started when when Freddie came in for his his pregame press conference
1: right.
0: So Freddie walks into the room for the press conference and is so overwhelmed by emotion uh, that he has to leave the room for a minute to try to collect himself to come back in and then he gets back into the room to to take questions. And and I don't mean this in a, neg- a negative fashion, but Freddie was a, a blubbering mess. Like he could not, he could not really answer questions without, without taking breaks to cry. And, and I, it was, I think seeing that for me and, and maybe for, for you guys as well, maybe for other fans, uh, really sort of got you back into, you know, this guy's one of us, right? Like it, it, it. It reignited the the good feelings we had about Freddie uh, before the whole off season went down, and and kind of kind of reminded us of of all the good times. And Lord knows when they got to the pregame where they where Snicker was giving him his ring, and they played the the video package of all the great moments from Freddie's Braves career. Man, that was that it was really a a, a special sequence. Um, seeing. Brian give Freddie the ring w- was really special, and and the crowd reflected that. The crowd gave him every bit of the standing ovation that a a man who who lived and breathed Atlanta Braves for for twelve years deserved.
1: Yeah, I I, I agree. I think you know I think the response it, before the game and then once it finally got into the game. I think we're all. Uh, all very appropriate, you know. I think the recognition that Freddie got and and very well deserved as the face of the franchise, you know, practically his entire career, you know, through the good and bad. I think you know a standing ovation well, was more than deserved during the pregame ceremony.
0: Absolutely, then the but <laughs> then we get to the game. They announce him for his first at, first at bat. He gets a round of applause that lasts for a full minute before he steps into the box. But the second he steps into that box, the crowd turns and says, "Okay, you're the enemy now. Start booing him." I loved every second of it. It was a perfect transition. You could you could feel Atlanta Braves fans turning the page in that moment, and I thought that was really cool.
1: Yeah, it it, it was it, it just it played off so so perfectly and you know, I, I think I think a lot of us did expect that, and at the end of the day, it, it is true. He is on an opposite team now. He is he is the competition. So, you know, baseball is a game of competition, and it completely appropriate response. And he's even acknowledged that he understands that that was an appropriate response. You know, he, he is he has come out and said this weekend, like, hey, I know I'm on a different team now. I don't expect them to cheer me. So, it I think it, to your point about turning the page it, this weekend certainly has felt like that like i think you know for a lot of diehard brave fans like ourselves this has kind of been a weekend that we've had mentally circled on the calendar about okay there's going to be a lot of pomp and circumstance around this weekend and all of its festivities and you know freddie coming back to Truist for the first time now not as a brave and i think i think now that like everybody's past that Things will become a little more normal, you know, getting used to him not being here and him being on a different team. Like that's that's kind of like the big hump that I think a lot of people just had to get over. And now we're past that. And, you know, onward and upward,
0: although. And I know we still haven't even gotten into the game yet. There was a quote I saw today that that I found to be rather interesting. Clayton Kershaw was asked about the reception that Freddie Freeman got when he came back to Atlanta for the first time. And part of Freddie, or sorry, part of Clayton Kershaw's quote about Freddie was, man, I really hope we're not playing second fiddle to him here. <laughs> Which, I,
1: I will, I will that that
0: quote took me back quite a ways. Um, <laughs> this that that is uh, an interesting thing to to realize is in a Dodgers player's head
1: i think yeah it it it, it it's interesting to think about you know um, it's interesting to see Kershaw's perspective be, you know be so vocal there and it's been interesting to see to see to see Dodgers fans response to this weekend you know i have seen several being highly defensive about you know about freddie now being a dodger and feeling like they have to justify the fact that yeah well you know that's normal like yeah of course it's normal you don't have to be defensive about it it's okay you know what i mean like he's with y'all for the next six years it's all good
0: exactly
1: yeah, it, it, it's there. There have been some funny responses here, but yeah, I agree that that Kershaw quote is is a little interesting.
0: But in in spite of the the, the pageantry of the day, there was a game to be played still. So uh, unfortunately, uh, Ian Anderson, while I suppose while standing there watching Freddie get showered with applause, kind of lost his composure a bit. A little bit little bit didn't didn't have the best of first innings. Uh, gave up two runs there in the first uh, to <laughs> uh, to the Dodgers, and uh, and Urias really kept the Braves under control for most of the game. Didn't get a run off of him until the sixth. It was quite frankly not a pretty one, guys. Uh, the Braves end up losing four to one, and I honestly believe it could have been much worse than that. But, you know, you knew what was coming with this game. You knew Freddie Freeman was coming back. You knew it was going to be kind of hard for players to get their heads in the game. So given, given the week, given who you're playing, given the situation of the day, let's write that loss to the Dodgers off as, as a gift to Freddie.
1: Hey, speaking of gifts, uh, the Marlins just walked off the mitts.
0: Yes, let's go. I knew the hey. Marlins were good for something. Finally. <laughs> Jeez. So we come back on Saturday for another game with the these same Dodgers. Uh, we have got Max Freed taking the hill against Mitch White. Um, who was Cam? Who was it that went down that uh, that Mitch White got this starting spot? Do you recall? Is it maybe Bueller's spot he's taking? I, I don't I don't know, but Mitch White was not uh, who we expected to see in this game, but it is who we got. Luckily, well, he's certainly
1: not that I paid that close attention to Dodger Baseball, but he was certainly not a name that I recognized immediately either.
0: No, the only reason I know who Mitch White is is because he is actually the identical twin of Chatting Average Podcast Padres correspondent, Sam Near. Yeah, he is. Wild <laughs> stuff, and and the funny thing about it is I was watching the game with my wife, who has zero knowledge of that Twitter bit because she's not on Twitter. And as soon as they showed Mitch White on the television, her her first words immediately were, hey, it's Sam.
1: <laughs> it was a house divided over there. It Christian was dogs.
0: awesome. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, we were uh, we were all very glad to see Mitch White as he allowed two runs to the Braves in the third to get the scoring started. Uh, Mitch only made it through four innings, allowing three earned runs, uh, walking two and striking out one. And Max Fried was Max Fried. So uh, so it was a good day for the Braves. Max went six and two thirds, allowing six hits, two earned runs, walked one, but struck out nine. Uh, another phenomenal day for Max had a, had a little bit of a, a, a touchy inning there in the seventh when he got pulled. Uh, luckily, the Braves were able to keep their composure. Uh, the Dodgers did come in and tie it in the eighth, uh, but the Braves managed to put on two more runs in the bottom of the eighth to bring Kenley Jansen in for his 20th save of the season. Braves win five to three and even up the series with the Dodgers.
1: Yeah, you know, it certainly had its moments, uh, got got really, really tight there at the end. But, hey, Braves able to pull away and even up the series and hopefully are able to take the series later tonight on Sunday Night Baseball.
0: Yes. And uh, Dansby continues the hot streak. Homer's again in this game. This man absolutely cannot be stopped. Dansby Swanson is playing like the best shortstop in baseball right now, and it's it's a wonder to see. Um, after like, think about how bad his first what six eight weeks were. Yeah,
1: maybe like, like almost may, historically bad. Maybe
0: even wor- Maybe even longer than than six to eight weeks. The Dansby is hitting three oh seven for the season now. Jesus, that's insane.
1: Yep. I mean, we've always talked about how streaky of a hitter Dansby actually is, but, man, this has got to be his best. Yeah, one, once
0: had. once this streak got past, like, a, a month or so, like, it started feeling like this. I, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but it this might be normal now.
1: Yeah. I Hey, if it is, fantastic. Uh, give him his contract next week.
0: 100%. 100%. And so let's see here.
1: Especially if any if if the if the rumor mill reports about what Trey Turner could be pulling this offseason are any tr- have any truth to them,
0: boy. A lot up right now. I mean, let me just throw out a couple of numbers he- here for you. Dansby in the month of June has 36 hits and 7 home runs and 5 doubles and 19 RBI. Nine walks against 21 strikeouts. Ladies and gentlemen, your National League Player of the Month. Wow. Wow. Like, <laughs> yeah. Dansby Swanson is good, y'all. Like, if there's even a remote possibility that we can get him midseason to accept a hometown, I, I, we have to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I like the he's boy. the way and he's I was playing
1: on the Correa or Turner train this offseason. season. 100%. Dansby has, uh, has certainly turned it on.
0: Dansby is now legitimately in the conversation with both of those guys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I'm getting to the point where I feel like you would be taking an unnecessary risk letting Dansby walk. And going after Turner Correa. So I am firmly today, as we sit here, in the camp of re sign Dansby, the sooner the better.
1: Yep. I agree, oddly
0: enough. All right, guys. So looking ahead. As Cam said, we have the ESPN Sunday Night Baseball game tonight against the Dodgers. Spencer Strider back on the hill for the Braves, looking to rebound from a rough start, going up against someone who's been one of the best pitchers in the National League this year so far in the Catman, Tony Gonsolin. We have... Okay. Go ahead.
1: Well, I is so weird because I feel like our games against him either go one of two ways: either he shuts us down for six innings, or we rattle him in the first three. Yeah, and there's no in between. Like I feel like that's always been our history with him. So we'll see. I mean, they're going to sound really smart or like an idiot on Monday morning.
0: Right. We 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 on on both teams we have Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde on the mound. Right, we exactly. we do we do not know how either of these pitchers are going to perform, and it could definitely go either way. So it'll be a a fun one tonight. Uh, We have Monday off, uh, which I, I think bodes very well coming off this stretch we've been on, before traveling to Citizens Bank Park to take on the Philadelphia Phillies. Tuesday's a 7.05 start with Charlie Morton on the hill up against Zach Wheeler. Wednesday Wednesday's same 7.05 start with Kyle Wright and Ranger Suarez taking the mound. Thursday, we are on ESPN Plus at 6.05 with Ian Anderson going up against Austin Nola. Not Austin Nola, that's the catcher. Aaron Nola, <laughs> the pitcher. <laughs> I was about to say, what is Although I-, I wish we would be going up against Austin Nola. I don't think he can pitch very well. Friday, we got... Uh, yeah, yeah,
1: so, so again, like, Aaron Nola, he, he's, that, he's that Jekyll and Hyde pitcher that we see. Like, either he's going to shut us down or we're going to rock him. Yep. So it's so weird to me how we have so many pitchers like that that, like... I And I put Walker Bueller in that camp, too. And I think Walker Bueller's that way for a lot of his starts, where it's either, like, he's either going to be dominant, look like a Cy Young contender, or he'll maybe make it to three.
0: Right, right. And and with the defense that Nola's got behind him this year, uh, I, I'm leaning towards that we're going to absolutely rock him.
1: Well, and as, as, as we've seen this year against the Phillies, all we got to do is put the ball in play or just try to steal second and see what happens.
0: Exactly, exactly. So on Friday, we head to the Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati, Ohio. We've got a 6.40 start time with Mike Freed on the hill up against old friend Mike Miner. It'll be fun to see Mike on the hill again. Um, Did you say say Mike Freed? Thought I said Max Freed. Pretty sure you said Mike Freed. Maybe I did. I miss Mike Miner, okay? I liked him. That's fair. (laughs) Saturday, we've got another game in Cincinnati. It's a 4-10 start with Spencer Strider up on the hill against Tyler Malley. And then Sunday is going to be a one forty start time with Charlie Morton going up against, hopefully, future brave Luis Castillo. Cam, that, that brings me to another point we hadn't touched on yet. Give me, oh, a, give me, give me a trade deadline wish list as we sit here on, uh, on June 26th.
1: <clears throat> All right. Uh, well, Alex, uh, I've got some breaking news for you. Here we go. Are
0: you ready? What do you got?
1: ready for this all right it is now 3 11 p.m on sunday june 26th and brian reynolds
0: is still not a brave why is brian reynolds not a brave damn it you do this to me every time
1: <laughs> i want brian reynolds so bad i
0: i, I like look i i i love duvall but it's his bat's not consistent enough for me obviously we can't have Marcelo zuna in left field we don't I don't know
1: what Rosario is going to be when he gets back.
0: Right, and and look, I I am going to I'm going to poach a line from the Platinum Sombrero podcast that I listened to today, where Doc was hosting this most recent episode. We need to approach this deadline as though none of the players that we think are coming back are coming back, because and this is in Doc's words, that is how. You build Los Angeles Dodgers-style depth.
1: Yeah. So, okay, okay. So to that point, to that point, I, I, I want to I make this argument here because I see people say it all the time, and it kills me. We're talking about, you know, the Braves went through seven different catchers last year. We acquired, what, Seven. seven. We acquired three, four outfielders last year around the midpoint of the season. And it literally took all of that to get us to a World Series. So when, you know, people say in jest, Oh, we should trade for Brian Reynolds, or oh, we should trade for a jazz chisholm, and somebody immediately comes back with, where are we gonna put him? Who cares? I, I do not care.
0: Like, I I, I told him, like, if it means getting rid of Guillermo Heredia and having Jazz Chisholm be be the Braves' new clubhouse mascot and paying him twenty million a year to do it, I don't care. I do not care. Do it. Just do it. Exactly. exactly. Sort it. Sort it out later. Load up with just entirely too much talent, and then let it flesh itself out over time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Hey, remember when we came into this season? It was like, oh, where are we going to figure in all these bullpen pieces?
0: <laughs> hey, we it's lost worked.
1: Luke Jackson for the season. We've lost Matzick for a good portion of the season. A.J. Minter might go down to Gwinnett here before too long.
0: Tyler Thornburg isn't on the team anymore. Uh,
1: y- yeah. Y- yeah. M- miss me with that. How are we going to fit them in?
0: I want one or two relievers. I want one or two starting pitchers, and I want one or two legitimate lineup rotation pieces. That is that is my wish list for the trade deadline. Uh,
1: agree.
0: Let's Absolutely. go crazy. Absolutely. Get me, get me Brian Reynolds. Get me Frankie Montas. Get me Luis Castillo. Get me Jazz Chisholm. I don't care. Bring them all here. Hell, go get me Whip Merrifield. Uh, I'll take Whit Merrifield. Uh, th- an, a- another point that Doc made on the show was, yeah, Whit yeah, Merrifield <laughs> not playing very well, but neither was Jorge Soler when we picked him up from that same team last year. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, statistically, Brian Reynolds hasn't
1: had a great season this year, but daggone it, we know what he's capable of.
0: Absolutely. And, and if there's if there's a coaching staff at all levels that I trust to 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 unlock the potential uh, of a hitter who's gone cold it's it's the atlanta brave system there yeah, is uh, there exactly. is magic in the water in gwinnett all right guys well that's going to do it for this episode of the chatting average podcast but before we go i got to remind you that today's episode of the chatting average podcast is brought to you by sports drink your digital water cooler SportsDrink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. Go check them out online or on social media at sportsdrink.org or open Instagram or Twitter and type in at sportsdrink, S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. It's spelled like sportsdrink just without the vowels. All we ask is that you close the door behind you because we are trying not to let the funk out. So that's going to do it for another episode of the Chatting Average podcast. For Cam Matthews, my name's Alex. We'll see you all next week for another brand new episode. Bye. Bye. This has been the Chatting Average Podcast brought to you by Sports Drink. Be sure to check out our merchandise store at teespring.com slash stores slash Chatting Average Podcast. And please consider becoming a patron of our show at patreon.com slash Chatting Average. We'll see you next week for another brand new episode.